This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hi, I'm Dave Foley, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comicast with Joe and Matt. So go back to not having sex with anybody. <laughs> Welcome to episode 139 of THN, where we are talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, November 13th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. When I'm not explaining that I am not, in fact, sexist, but actually terrified of women, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not responding to sexist allegations thrust upon me by my co-host, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of something that exists only in the fevered imagination oh, of Matt Bomb. And it's funny because all this sexist talk would work really well with a news story that we're not touching. <laughs> in this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Manifest Destiny number one and Unity number one. After that, we'll review ten of this week's comics faster than the THN health insurance plan can get canceled by the MCP during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Dr. Fate's stinky helmet is giving us a glance at next week's comics. Oh, I bet it's gross in there. And finally, the comic bushes are back, and that means I'm changing the words to a beloved rap song and forcing poor, hopelessly white Joe Patrick to lay down some nerd flow over some beats. And forcing some comics down some poor comic junkie's throat, but... Before we downplay our part in the James Whitey Bulgars racketeering ring, let's pack our things and get ready to join the Panel Culture Podcast in Toronto under the watchful eye of the crack-smoking and big-time cunnilingus fan, Mayor Rob Ford. And then we'll talk about this week's big news, best mayor ever. (laughs) That guy's amazing. Following the wrap-up of his crowd-funded Veronica Mars movie, Rob Thomas... Not that Rob Thomas. Not that Rob Thomas. <laughs> and screenwriter Diane Ruggiero... That Diane Ruggiero. ...will be developing a CW drama based on Chris Robertson's I, Zombie from Vertigo Comics. While the comic was more lighthearted, the show will be a crime procedural starring a, quote, med student turned zombie who takes a job in the coroner's office to gain access to the brains she must reluctantly eat to maintain her humanity. But with each brain she consumes, she inherits the corpse's memories, and with the help of her medical examiner boss and a police detective, she solves homicide cases in order to quiet the disturbing voices in her head. Matt, what the hell is up with DC developing shows that are sort of, but not really, based on their comics? I'll tell you exactly what this is. They wanted the title. They wanted the title, and so they bought it, because they got it for nothing, because it's a canceled series DC has no you know, skin in the game with. They wanted to call it iZombie, so they had to pay for the whole thing, because this has nothing to do. Well, now back up. It is sort of reminiscent. She does. She did solve some murders. Only in the sense that she did gain she, their memories. When she eats people's brains, like, she gets their memories. But she was like a she was a grave digger, not a you know coroner. Right. They definitely some liberties have been taken, but this is kind of close. Uh, kind of. And really. I find it hard to believe that they wanted. They wanted to cash in on the sweet, sweet eyed zombie fan recognition. No, not fan recognition. Just a great title. I think they wanted a great title. Because this not is like, I zombie, I feel like, like if they called this something else and didn't pay Chris Roberson anything, there is no judge in the land <laughs> that's going to take up the case and say, this is plagiarism. Yeah, but it wasn't you know? like I zombie, like I vampire. It I was I zombie, like iPad. 
I get it. Which is a weird title. But it's also close enough to iZombie, which is a title that they probably yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Because this is so far from the real thing. Um, and I don't care. I mean, like, it might be good. I don't know. I, but, I like, do like Rob Thomas. I like him, too. I hate Matchbox 20, though. And I just... <laughs> I like their early work. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, I don't know. Don't. I don't really know anything about don't Matchbox 20. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> I, like, I was a big fan of Veronica Mars, and, and so I have some confidence that this guy can make a good show. Thomas hasn't done anything else, right? I, he has done other things. He's but done other shows. I couldn't be bothered to look him up in the short time we have. Okay. But like with everything that's been announced from DC or in development by DC or Vertigo, I'm curiously optimistic. I suppose I'm not ready to call it a train wreck. No. I know it's on the CW, and we've have that baggage to deal with. Yeah. But this is just more head. I mean, Warner Brothers weirdness. has their own network. Like. I wouldn't expect it to not be on the CW. Right. This is just more head-scratching weirdness from DC. It's just another odd move, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> In other Hollywood news, Elizabeth Olsen, the younger sister to the infamous Olsen twins, not one of the Olsen twins. The younger sister of the, the Olsen twins, twins right? not the younger of the two Olsen twins who are the same age. <laughs> the one that looks human. She doesn't look like a starving little pixie, I guess. <laughs> has confirmed that she will be starring in the Avengers Age of Ultron as the Scarlet Witch. Plus, we've learned two of the writers that will be overseeing some of Marvel's direct-to-Netflix series, well-known Whedonverse and Cabin in the Woods writer Drew Goddard will be writing Daredevil, while Melissa Rosenberg, Jew, will handle Jessica Jones. Whoa. <laughs> Rosenberg's name may not be familiar to comic fans, so let me help you out here. While she was the showrunner for what many consider the good years of Dexter, she also wrote all of the Twilight movies. So. So there's that. Are we excited? <laughs> you know what? I haven't watched Dexter, you, so I don't have any reason to I love be Dexter. excited about it. I totally love Dexter. And you can't blame a girl for taking a paycheck. I mean, I'm sure she made good money in Twilight, and the fans seem to like it. I don't give a crap about it. I know you don't. You know, the, the fun thing I learned is that she was attached to run the this show. The Jessica Jones property was optioned, I want to say, a couple of years ago. It was like an ABC show or something. Yeah, right? I don't know if you remember a couple years back when they announced that the, the, like Guillermo del Toro's like Hulk show right. and a Punisher show they that were gonna was going to be like the Punisher as a cop or, and they were gonna make a lawyer or whatever the f*** he was. They were going to make a pilot for Jessica Jones. It was going to be called AKA Jessica Jones, and right. she was attached back then. I think it was Akka. Akka Jessica Jones. <laughs> so at least she's got a familiarity with the concept. I am excited about Drew Goddard on Daredevil. Yeah, I am too. I love Cabin in the Woods. I think Joss Whedon knows how to pick him. I think Goddard's definitely a nerd. He hit all the nerd notes I needed in that movie, definitely. Yeah. I only wish it would have been Pinhead down there holding the box, which is what they wanted, but New Line wouldn't let him use it. Those Pinhead, jerks. Pinhead's Regardless, a copyright. Guy's definitely a nerd. I have good faith in him. Rosenberg might be great, but as we've seen, Hollywood talent doesn't always translate to good comic book movie or TV show. <laughs> sure. You know I, mean? I think it's a wait and see, but if Marvel has confidence in her... I think it's a decent that, That's sign. a good sign. That's a good sign. Uh, as for the Elizabeth Olsen news, apparently... She was in a movie not long ago, she, like last year, that played really well at the Cannes Film Festival. And I want to say it was like either a child murder movie or like a child molestation movie. Oscar bait. Uh, yeah. And she's supposed to be really good. Apparently, I did not see said she film. Mi she, you know, lucked out and missed 
whatever train wreck happened to hit her older right. sisters. Well, that train wreck was full uh, house, full house <laughs> to be exact. You know, they just announced a full house sequel show. Oh, thank God! Twenty, like you know, twenty five years later, starring Candace Cameron and whatever the other one. It's uh, funny because it seems like Candace Cameron got proportionately bigger to the Olsen twins getting proportionally skinnier. <laughs> you know, like, and as Candace inflates, they get more and more, like... <laughs> In all seriousness, I, I she's got some good buzz behind her, and I think that this is probably a good move. Yeah. Let's say this. I have no reason to doubt her because she did not make any directed DVD movies about shopping in New York City or whatever. Fair enough. Fair enough. My only complaint is she might be a little younger than I would picture the Scarlet Witch, but whatever. Maybe um, this is the Scarlet Witch at a younger age. I'm fine with it. Well, that. and there's the rumor going around that the guy that plays Kick-Ass is going to be the Quicksilver, and I am not into that. Yeah, I'm not into that either. So, we'll see. It's well, another wait and see on that one. Yeah. This week, Marvel announced some upcoming changes for the old Knucklehead. Wolverine will receive an all-new Marvel Now relaunch in February by current writer Paul Cornell and incoming artist Ryan Stegman. In this relaunch, Wolvie finds himself on the wrong side of the law. Quote, what kind of choices would Wolverine make if he suddenly found himself robbed of his healing factor and targeted by some of his deadliest enemies? What would he do to survive? Uh, he's never lost his healing factor before. This could be really interesting. <laughs> or wait, that happens every year. Sure. <laughs> Uh, and sadly, Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men will come to an end that same month with issue 42. On his blog, Aaron revealed his full workload as the reason for the series ending, saying, quote, I've been writing the post-Battle of the Atom arc of Wolverine and the X-Men as my goodbye to that series and to the Jean Grey school. I love the abbreviation Watt XM. Watt XM. <laughs> Believe me, it wasn't easy for me to step away from this book. I've loved building that school and writing those characters, both the students and the teachers, as much as I've loved anything I've done in comics. But the school itself isn't going anywhere. And finally, the James Robinson, Leonard Kirk, Fantastic Four rumor from New York Comic Con was confirmed as a fish by Marvel. Matt... What do we think of these developments? In reverse order, Fantastic Four, awesome. Pumped. Totally pumped. I think that could be really cool. Wolverine the X-Men, I said this last week when we reviewed Amazing X-Men. I don't feel we need two books like that, and I feel Amazing X-Men can be that book where they can have the students and the school. So I don't think we're going to miss it. If you like what's going on there, you're probably going to like what's going on in Amazing X-Men. It's true. That's fine. Um, I will say that I like... That it seems like Aaron is ending it of his own accord and yeah. Marvel's letting him yeah. rather than carrying it on with somebody else. Which is very cool. And that they're not just canceling it to replace right. it with something else. They're not like, Marv Wolfman though they, the new writer though they <laughs> certainly, the X-Men. Right. <laughs> though they certainly could do either or both of those things, sure. at least for now, it seems like they're just going to allow it to come to a natural conclusion. Finally, Paul Cornell and Wolverine. I don't think Paul Cornell has done a very good job on Wolverine. You know what? I, can't I like even, Paul Cornell. I can't even say that he hasn't done a good job. I just haven't cared. I, I haven't been reading it. There's not a lot to cling to. I still pick it up because Wolverine, I love Wolverine. I got to read a monthly Wolverine comic. It's not great. It's not bad, but it certainly is not great. And I do think it's kind of interesting that they're giving him a second chance rather than letting Cornell do something that he's really good at because we know he's really good at certain things. I just don't think Wolvie is his wheelhouse. I do love Ryan Stegman. Love Ryan Stegman. Glad Ryan Stegman's getting work, but I kind of, in my head, I see Ryan Stegman as a spidey guy. You know, this is nothing against Ryan Stegman. It may have been his choice. Maybe he wants to do Wolverine. 
I kind of view this as a step down for him. I kind of do too. Because he might love Wolverine, and Wolverine is certainly a marquee character. You can't tell me that Paul Cornell's Wolverine is on the same level of importance as Superior Spider-Man. I, I, you wouldn't think so. I mean, I don't know. But I love Stegman. Wolverine's got a cool new outfit. Sure. And it's at least sort of a different take if he's running with he's running with some criminals. I think it's a fine new outfit. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I it, look, cool. it looks neat. It looks as cool it's as fine. any other Wolverine outfit. It's fine. Paul Cornell is just not knocking it out of the park it's a, for me right now. It's a lot of kind of wait and see news this week. He's not blowing the roof off the doors, as uh, <laughs> oh God, as Matthew Barry said on the ESPN Fantasy Focus football podcast yesterday, and I loved it. He it's certainly like, is not exactly blowing the doors off the roof. That was it. That's the big news for this week. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up at our Facebook page where Joe and I both have new snazzy costumes and have been hanging around with some criminals of our own. Let me tell you, things have been getting seedy around the ziggurat lately. Seedier than usual. Seedier than usual. Every Friday, the Healing Factorless Joe Patrick posts the question of the week on the THN web forum, which... Probably the coolest thing on the whole internet. If you're not part of it, you're probably a dork. You can find by clicking the link at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe, what do we ask the listeners this week? Lost my healing factor. Just must be a Tuesday. Yeah, Just another Tuesday. Like, oh, Joe, he lost his healing factor again. This week's question. <laughs> he looks like a dog and he's wearing a do-rag again. <laughs> <laughs> Where does nose go? No, not that again. Oh, boy. This week's question, we want to know what you guys thought of Thor, the Dark World, a.k.a. Thor 2. And this is going to be a big, spoilerific That's right. episode. We're not fooling around with hiding anymore. Let the spoilers fly. Go to our forums. There's spoiler warnings everywhere. Yeah. Leave your opinions there, or preferably call us at the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. You can also try Skype if you dare. But remember... To keep it under three minutes, Google will cut you off. It's a fickle mistress. And this is a good segue to this. We're looking for a movie reviewer. We need some nerd movie reviewers for our site. So if you think you got what it takes, review a couple movies. Send us some samples. See what you got. And you could work for free and be one of the new THN love slaves. You could be internet famous. Moderately. Moderately internet (laughs) famous. It's review time on THN, where Matt and I padlock two of this week's comics inside a large gym bag and then call the police a week later to report that they died and whether or not they were worth remembering. Matt, how long did your victim last? That is morbid, man. I know, I know. This is dark. This week, my victim was Unity Number 1 from Valiant. This was written by Matt Kent with art by Dougie Braithwaite. Screw the solicit. Exo Manowar is back on Earth, and he's trying to take over Romania as his homeland for his now-freed compatriots that he brought back from the Vine spaceship. Guess who doesn't like it? Russia. Everybody. And Russia is willing to start a world war to prove it. Only Toyo Harada and his group of super peeps, including the Eternal Warrior and some other guys that don't want to spoil it. It's pretty cool, though. But they're on the cover. Can stop him. All they have to do is kill XO Man of War. Page one of this issue sums up the entire XO Man of War story very well and actually gives a reader a good idea of why Arik, 
who is the pilot of the exosuit, is trying to take over Romania. Kent tells the story from the point of view of a food journalist reporting on the Battle of Bersini, which is a real, you know, place in Romania, when the Russians tried to repel Exo Manowar. The first moment she comes into contact with Arik was almost perfect. She describes the smell of him, which is really cool because a food journalist would probably do that. And she describes it as being like ozone and gunpowder mixed with sweat, dirt, and blood. And semen. The smell of future and past wars rolled together. And a little bit of urine. That is great writing. Exo is back on Earth, and he doesn't care about polite society or global relations. He wants his home back, and Russia is not having it. The really cool thing here is that Harbinger title has built the character of Toyo Harada up to more than villain status. He's a flat-out monster. But here, he's doing his best to stop World War III. He's basically a hero but he's also dealing with a character who is not necessarily a villain he just hasn't been on earth for about 1400 years and doesn't really know how things play out here anymore and the eternal warrior is proving to be an amazing addition to harada's team He's citing historical battle plans from, like, the Battle of Trafalgar, where 27 British ships held off 33 French and Spanish ships off the coast of Spain. Kent definitely did some homework when writing about this character, and he really does an amazing job giving him a separate voice. In fact, giving all the different characters here a really interesting voice. Even Ninjak, who I didn't particularly care about too much when he showed up in XO. He was just kind of badass. Ninjak is really cool here, and Kent's doing a great job writing him. The art by Dougie Braithwaite is perfect for this story and lends itself to the very real-world superhero universe that Valiant has been building. It's one thing that I like about the Valiant universe is it could be the same world I'm living in, whereas the DCU and the Marvel U are pretty whacked out. There's islands with centaurs living on them and stuff, and there's ridiculous technology that people have access to. Valiant feels very real world. There just happens to be some exceptional people there. If Superman is the most powerful character in the DCU, Exo Manowar is the guy that could take Soup's head off in less than a second. (laughs) And this story is about the only people that might be able to stop him. And after you read it, it doesn't look good for those folks. (laughs) I loved this. And I can't say enough about how great the Valiant U is right now. Buy everything they're putting out and then buy this. Huge buy it. I liked it too. I don't really have anything to add other than to say that I am way behind. I lost track of Valiant sometime in the middle of Harbinger Wars. And I haven't gotten caught up yet. And... I felt that the recap at the beginning told me literally everything I needed to know to enjoy this issue in a fashion that was interesting and fun to, to look at, not like a dry exposition kind of way. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because I don't think you will be lost. If you've never read a Valiant yeah, comic, you I mean, can pick this up. They, they said that this was a good jumping on point for new readers, and I went, <laughs> really? Yeah. How could it be a good jumping on point for new readers? But it really is. It's really well executed. And it's very well done. I love Doug Braithwaite, and this was a ton of fun. I'm giving it a buy it as well. I want to say one more thing about that thought. It's done in a really tasteful way in the sense where we're not relaunching the whole character. We're not relaunching the whole story. We're not setting it up so people who have been here for a while go, oh, I got to slog through all this to get through the new status quo. Mm, It's just 
done well. It hits right. the ground running. It gives you information you need. Action-packed. Super violent. Great stuff. In particular, how I... I <clears throat> specifically, I loved how Kent handled each of the different character voices as, like, Eternal Warrior, like you said, is very true to his character, remembering, you know, ancient battles and yeah. bringing that to the table. You know, calling out Harada for being a fool after he unveils his, like, very finely detailed battle plan. Eternal Warrior shows up and goes, nah, idiot. Yeah, don't do that. And then explains to him why it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Ninjak is kind of an asshole. Right. In, in every scene. He's cocky. Which is very true, like, very cocky, very overconfident. Um, Harada is inscrutable and, you know, yeah. mysterious. Uh, it, Kent has a great handle on these characters. He juggles them well. And... There's none of that, like, sameness with some ensemble books where, like, this dialogue could be said by anyone in the room. Right. You know, it all, everybody feels unique, you know, and, and feels like they, there's a reason for them being there. Right on. Joe, what did you read this week? This week, I read Manifest Destiny, number one from Image Comics, written by Chris Dingus. I've been told via Twitter, Dingus. Chris Dingus. I'm going with Dingus. <laughs> with, art, with art by Matthew Roberts and colors by Owen Gianni. Here's your solicit. In 1804, Captain Meriwether Lewis and Second Lieutenant William Clark set out on an expedition to explore the uncharted American frontier. This is the story of what they discovered lurking dot 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 in the wilds. Manifest Destiny is the latest title from Robert Kirkman's Skybound imprint that isn't created by Robert Kirkman. Instead, this issue is brought to us by Chris Dingus, who honed his writing chops on shows like Reaper and Being Human. Both the, of which I really liked. The American version. And Matthew I love Roberts, the American version. <laughs> a newcomer to the industry. As the solicit says, Manifest Destiny tells the secret history of the Lewis and Clark expedition... I love the idea that Din just sets up here that the real reason Lewis and Clark were sent west was to investigate the monsters lurking in the American frontier. Din just introduces a decently sized cast. Lewis is the studious scientist and Clark is the military badass. They're traveling with a crew made up of an even mix of soldiers and expendable reprobates, and not all of them can be trusted. My one complaint with the script is that Din just immediately spells out that this is a group of secret monster hunters. And I know the solicit and the cover hint at something mysterious and maybe even supernatural, but I feel like the story would have been better served by dragging out the details of the mission a little bit. Like, maybe if we don't find out to the end of the issue that they were sent on this quest and they were expecting it all sure. along. As it's written, when Lewis and Clark are finally confronted with the very monsters they came to discover, the moment felt a little flat to me. See... Because the whole time I'm expecting some oogie boogie to jump out at him. Here's where I beg to differ. I kind of liked how they were told that's what they were going to be doing, and they thought the president who sent them was nuts. And they were like, we haven't seen crap that's out true, here. That's true, but they like, were... Like, we've seen a heron, we saw some ducks, you know, like, right. what is this monster business? And then, like, and I also really liked the pacing. I liked how 
they didn't just like page two monster attack. Like we didn't get to that until the very end of the book. Sure. And it was really well done. It was well paced and we're learning about the characters. And it turns out that some of the characters in the group are monsters themselves. And there's already things going on there. Then monster shows up and you don't even get a really good shot of it. It's like a really good, like how they used to do in monster movies in Hollywood where you didn't see the creature until the very last scene, you know, and it, I thought it worked really well. Yeah, you I know, really like the pace. I'm gonna stick to my guns there though, and and say that if they your had, guns are dumb. If they had revealed <laughs> at the end that you know as uh, Lewis is narrating his journal, you know his redacted secret right. journal, right? You know, and that this was the reason all along or whatever, then that would have felt a little bit. Then the moment of of the introduction of the supernatural elements would have felt more like ooh. No, I gotcha. Um, but. It's a small complaint. The art by Matthew Roberts is really great. I it loved, is really good. I loved his pacing and the way he paneled some of the pages, especially during the flashbacks as one sinister character talks about the families of the other members of the expedition. I also liked that Roberts' style was kind of cartoony, but not overly so. He falls somewhere in between Ryan Otley and Lucas Kettner of Witch Doctor. I saw Tony Moore in there, too. Yeah, you know, some kind of in-between, like, exaggerated and cartoony, but not, like, way cartoony. It reminded you know? me not not so much like Tony Moore's Walking Dead, but like Tony Moore's Fear Agent. It kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, that's a good comparison. The coloring by Owen Gianni is a great compliment to the art. Uh, I especially loved it during that flashback page where it's, like, monochrome with splashes of yeah, red. It, cool. it was very beautiful. It was cool. Yeah, this is a really well-drawn book. So aside from that one little nitpick about the story, I really enjoyed this. Honestly, going into it, I wasn't really expecting to like it as much as I did, but now I'm ready to go on this expedition. Oh, that's clever. I see what you did. Yeah, wow. I'm going to buy it, too. I think the thing that impressed me the most, like I said, was the pacing. I it's not very often that you start with a number one issue that is paced this well that doesn't just go for the grab you moment right off to try and keep you reading you know and you know it was I well think... written enough that I wanted to go on I didn't need that like whoa moment sure. on page yeah, two yeah right it, they're not constantly beset by creatures no you not know? at all in fact the beginning is kind of slow yeah. deliberately slow yes yes they're capturing new birds and I think sketching that's ballsy. them I think that's really ballsy thing to do and I think it's this is a guy with real writing chops right and I think that I think you can credit his TV career definitely I, and normally definitely. you know it's not often that we get to say, man, I'm really glad that that TV writer came to comics. But, it, I mean, that's one of the things that was great about Reaper and, I mean, I, of course he adapted Being Human, but the adaption of Being Human as well was that they didn't always go for the most obvious thing. They, there was some really interesting twists and some stuff you might not expect and some really legitimately fun moments. I think there's going to be a lot of that here. Huge buy it for me, too. I can't wait to read more of this. I guarantee there's a meeting going on right now to turn this into a television show or a movie. <laughs> Promise you. Well, it's Skybound, so it's probably already optional. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's probably optional a month ago. So that is a double buy it for both Manifest Destiny number one and Unity number one. Of course, we want to know what you American explorers and alien-empowered Visigoths thought of these comics. So be sure to take our heads off with your opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at toitednerd.com. It's true. We couldn't make it any easier. No. To
our shock and dismay when Joe and I logged on to the embattledhealthcare.gov site to enroll the love slaves in a health insurance plan. We were pulled into the Tron-esque world of internet healthcare and forced to fight our way through a series of digital gladiator games before finding out that our original plan of bread and water for our contributors was quote-unquote substandard. So join Joe and I now as we grab the glowing rods floating in front of us and fight for the right to give our love slaves crappy health care benefits in a light cycle battle with the Obamacare MCP while we review 10 comics at light cycle speed during this week's ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed, go! Rafe, colon, welcome to Christmas Land. Number one, IDW. Terrible title. <laughs> this is the latest from Joe Hill, and it is a secret tie-in, not so secret, I guess, to his novel Nosferatu. And if you haven't read it, you don't need to. Oh, I thought the novel was like named after like a license plate or something. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a vanity plate that says Nosferatu. Oh, I did not get that. Right. <laughs> I looked right at it and I was like, what is... <laughs> All right, you know. This issue, while it, it should be more familiar to fans of the novel... You don't have to have read the novel to enjoy this. It's creepy as all hell. And it's a, the story of Charlie Manx, who drives children away from their families to the imaginary Christmas land. Ooh. And while they travel, they turn into tiny little vampire monsters. What? It's terrifying. And gross. Yeah. And it's got great art by our pal, friend of the show. Not really. He follows us on Twitter. C.P. Wilson from Stuff of Legend. Oh. Beautifully drawn. Well written. Ruined my night. Buy it. I feel like C.P.'s our buddy. Sure. Marvel Knights X-Men number one from Marvel. Writer slash artist Bram Ravel, who created Gorillas for Image. If you haven't read it, you should, because it was great. Gets a shot at the X-Men and does a really good job on this story of Kitty, Wolvie, and Rogue heading down south to rescue a female mutant from a bunch of anti-mutant hicks. Friggin' southerners. Sons of bitches. I really liked it. Great art. Fun story. I think this is cool. I like what they're doing with the new Marvel Knights stuff. This is a great direction for them to move in it. Buy it. Clown Fatale, number one, from Dark Horse. You remember all those nice things I said about Victor Gishler when I read Kiss Me Satan number one? I take them all back. You know what? I wish we could just read the solicit and then just say, leave it. Right. (laughs) This is somehow racist and sexist and misogynist because they are technically two different things. Yes. All at the same time. It was almost painfully offensive, and I don't get offended. I didn't read it, but let me see if I get this straight. Sexy female clowns that are mistaken for sexy female clown assassins? No, they're sexy female clowns who are secretly sexy female clown assassins. Also, drag addict alcoholics. Listen, it's awful. Leave it. Only in comics, folks. I can't believe Dark Horse (laughs) put it out. Umbral, number one from Image. The creators of Wasteland take a fantasy turn here with the story of a young thief girl named Rascal who stumbles onto a magic royal conspiracy. I really like the art here by Christopher Mitten. He's got a slightly more realistic Ted McKeever kind of style that worked really well when we were looking at these kind of scary demon things that may or may not have taken over the royal family of... I don't even remember what the fantasy world was, but it was good. I plan on reading more of this. I'm giving it a buy it. Fun stuff. Shaolin Cowboy number two from Dark Horse. When I read this, if you could call it that, if you can call it reading, I could not believe what I had just experienced. (laughs) This is 
literally 33 pages of the exact same thing. (laughs) Two panels per page, only slightly different of the Shaolin cowboy chopping up zombies. Yeah, man. No text. Nope. No dialogue. Nope. Nothing. Only shriveled wieners and boobs. Yep. I don't even know how to classify it. <laughs> Jeff Darrow, baby. I guess it's a skim it because Shaolin Cowboy's fun and I want to see where the story goes. Buy it from me. I thought it was awesome. Worth Jeff Darrow's art if alone. I had, if I had actually paid $4 for this, I would have been pissed. I gladly will pay $4 for this. Ugh. The Legion of Molly Doves, number one from Bliss on Tap. Molly Doves is the daughter of a mother-father time-traveling team that built sort of like a Hogwarts for young time travelers in an attempt to fix their bleak present. They kind of live in this world where the economy collapsed and the environment was right behind it, and they want to go back in time and fix that crap. Alex Nino, he's a Filipino artist, and he's relatively famous. I'm not sure what for. I was reading about him a little bit. He's on art here, and his style is bizarre and beautiful. This is like reading an old Rankin-Bass cartoon, honestly. I really enjoyed this. I did not expect to. It's sort of Victorian sci-fi meets Harry Potter. Giving it a buy it. Hey, fun. I'm surprised. Protocol Orphans number one from Boom. This is a new series from former Supergirl writer Michael Allen Nelson. Oh, that's where I recognize that name. About a group of, like, secret... They're not secret agents because they don't work for the government, or at least I don't think they do. They're agents of some sort of clandestine organization raised by this organization and so they're all orphans they're like conditioned yeah they're conditioned to think to refer to their handlers as dad and the grandparents gross and and it's it's really interesting i really liked the art and i think this is a a fun idea maybe not a perfect first issue but i enjoyed the setup and i'm really curious to see where it goes i'm giving it a buy it all right Green Lantern Corps number 25 from DC. This was a zero-year tie-in that felt absolutely hammered into the GL continuity. Back in his days as a Marine, Jon Stewart was on a rescue mission to save a group of people that couldn't evacuate Gotham in the face of a hurricane, so they took shelter in the... Football stadium. Football stadium. Remember that happened in New Orleans? I yeah. remember. It's like real life. Well... When John and the Marines show up to help, anarchy is there. Yeah. And the refugees turn on the Marines for some reason. Because of reason. Yes. <laughs> they seem to believe that they were left behind because Gotham is ruled by rich people and they are going to take over the arena and keep it forever. Well, <laughs> John, who also seems to be having simultaneously while this going, is going on, is having a flashback of a story his mother told him. She was a community organizer who was protesting... Just like Obama. He just said, don't get me started. She was a community organizer who was protesting the dissolution of the unions in Detroit by the auto when the auto workers were on strike. And it just so happens that her flashback fits a little too perfectly with the story Jon Stewart is dealing with, only he's dealing with Anarchy, who is sort of dressed like a juggalo, I guess. <laughs> he has a hooded sweatshirt on and stuff. This sucked. It was it was just so heavy-handed. It was very well drawn, and it was not poorly written, but you could tell that editorial came down and they went, oh yeah, we really like your script from 25. But, uh, hey, what do you say we make it a zero-year tie-in? <laughs> Leave it. You don't need it. X-Men Gold, number one from Marvel. 
This is a 50th anniversary special with a $6 cover price. And I guess if you really wanted to read four or five kind of mediocre stories by those guys you used to love when you were kids, you should check it out. But the lead story by Chris Claremont has everything in it that people make fun of Chris Claremont for today. Of course. There's a story by Len Wein. Sunfire and Banshee happen to meet in Memphis because they're both music fans. What? Sunfire? Yeah. And they want to visit this record studio and go to Graceland. Like, literally, that's what we're talking about. I mean, I guess Japanese people like Elvis, too, you know? Right. Sure. Stan, Stan Lee and Walt Simonson give us a story that is quaint and kind of oddly sexist because Marvel Girl's talking about how great it is to be the only girl on a team full of dudes and offering romantic favors to the winner of certain competitions. Oh, God. It's Sounds weird. It's like an Archie book. It's just an, it's an odd package, and it's not great. And this is for the X-Men Hardcore Faithful Only. I can't recommend it. It's a leave it. Okay. Noir, number one from Dynamite. I think it's Neuer. Miss Fury and the Black Sparrow team up and bring the shadow along for the ride. There's an extended scene of the Black Sparrow. I guess it could be Miss Fury. It was hard to tell with this art and what little I know of both characters. But there she was in her underwear and boots, which is how every girl relaxes, I'm sure. That's how I do it. <laughs> this is just bad. I'll give writer Victor Gishler props. There's no vampires here, but there's also very little story and really bad art. I've seen Andrea Moody do stuff that I liked before. I don't know if this was inking or computer, but it looked bad. Leave it. Victor Gishler again. There he is. It's all over the damn place. Ringa, 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 ringa. That's your ludicrous speed round and ringa, 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 ringa is the sound of an alarm going off at the museum where thugs were stealing something, but they got interrupted by Miss Fury or, you know, maybe the Black Sparrow (laughs) as seen in this week's issue of Neuer, number one from Dynamite. What started out as a special treat from our friend Hector Hall has turned into a rather stinky affair. Today in the Sanctum Sanctorum, Dr. Fate himself joins us and has promised to let us briefly wear Naboo's Helmet of Fate. It was supposed to be, that was an autocorrect problem. Yeah. Which will give us a glimpse of next week's comics. So Matt and I suited up in our powder blue, yellow striped Adidas tracksuits, only to find out that dude's helmet smells like feet that a cat peed on. Really gross. Matt, what did your stinky magical experience reveal to you? (sighs) Next week, I'm looking forward to XO Manowar number 19, written by Robert Venditti, with art by Carrie Nord. Here's your solicit, an all-new arc, all-new jumping on point. XO Manowar goes head-to-head against the forces of unity. Arik of Dacia has fought to reclaim the ancestral lands of the Visigoths, and he has bled for it, but nothing he has faced before can prepare him for the combined might of unity and the deadly combination of Harada, Ninjak, Eternal Warrior, and Livewire. I don't really know. It's going to be awesome. Unity number one was fun. I am totally in on this. You should be too. Joe Patrick, what are you excited for next week? Do me a favor. Wipe yourself off first. What was that guy doing under there? My pick for next week, and Matt's going to love it, is Scooby-Doo team-up number one. Are you f***ing serious? From DC Comics. Oh, God. This one's written by Shali Fish with art by Dario Brizuela. 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 
<laughs> Here to solicit rumors of a giant bat creature brings Scooby and the gang on the run. But Batman and Robin are already on the trail of their old foe, the monstrous man bat. Before long, the crooks behind the fake bat creature will come face to face with the real thing. So wait a minute. Okay, I was going to say. With the good guys caught in the middle. <laughs> it's like they just spoiled that it. it's not man bat. <laughs> <laughs> this is, to me, the perfect book. For old dudes like me that miss the days of Scooby-Doo teaming up with the Globetrotters oh God. and Sandy Duncan and all that This looks retarded. And young kids that miss Batman the Brave and the Bold. This sounds like a ton of fun, and I'm legitimately excited to read it. Sounds it like looks like a great time. Two groups of people that I don't give a about the THN trade of the week for next week is the fifth beetle, the Brian Epstein story from Dark Horse, written by Vivek J. Tawari. Man, yo, I know. Art by Andrew C. Robinson with cover by Kyle Baker. Love it. Here to solicit the fifth beetle is the untold true story of Brian Epstein, the visionary manager who discovered and guided the Beatles from their gigs in a tiny cellar in Liverpool to unprecedented international stardom. Yet, more than merely the story of the man who made the Beatles, the fifth Beatles, an uplifting, tragic, and ultimately inspirational human story about the struggle to overcome seemingly insurmountable odds. Brian Epstein was a homosexual when it was a felony to be so in the United Kingdom, Jewish at the time of anti-Semitism, and from Liverpool when it was considered just a dingy port town. That's probably the worst part. <laughs> he helped spread Wait the- a minute. He's a Liverpudlian? <laughs> Liverpoolian. No, it's Liverpudlian. Really? Look it up. Fair enough. He helped spread the Beatles' message of love to the entire world, yet died painfully lonely at the young age of 32, Spoilers. consumed by staggering ambition and the endless struggles that came with it. This sounds amazing. Yeah, I've been following the creation of this, like in some blogs and stuff, and yeah. it looks, it looks beautiful. I love Andrew Robinson. Sounds awesome. As always, we want to know what you're looking forward to next week, so hit us up on the THN forums, but do yourself a favor and use the internet instead of someone's unwashed occult headgear. Ugh, God. It's gross. Never going to forget that smell. Bust it. Are you ready for this? It's going to happen. It's going to make your nipples hard. Here's a jam for all the collectors Trying to do what that previews tells us Get shot down cause you're overzealous Play it cheap and you end up jealous Okay moron, go to a comic con Girls are cosplaying, showing their bonbons Rogue walks by and you wish you could sex her But you're standing on the wall like you was Poindexter Next day's panels, tweeting new samples Previews are showing, look you downright trampled Creators come out, nerds get in line But you're staring at your chara, wasting time Bennett starts walking, nerds stop gawking Sits down next to you and dude starts talking Says he rushed the X-Men cause he likes the brood so we'll bet your comics and have them sign them, dude. Dude? If you don't think that was the best thing you've ever heard, you're an ignoramus. Dude? <laughs> yeah. Have them sign them, dude. <laughs> like two days in the making, this, this rap. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Failed miserably yesterday. This week, an ashy arm-scratching nerd named Merlin Kirschbaum writes us via mm. email. Dear Comic Pushers, it's been quite some time since I've read comics, but the recent Avengers slash Iron Man slash Thor slash Captain America movies have me longing for my teenage years when I would spend far too much money 
on piles of Marvel books. I'm thinking about jumping back in, mainly with Thor and the Avengers, but I'm not sure where to go. A quick web search seems to come up with seven different Avengers comics, at least one Thor title, and three or four concurrent miniseries, and a Journey into Mystery comic. What's a returning comic nerd to read? Please help. And yes, Merlin is my real name. My father was a Camelot nerd. Merlin, you're not even in the top five weird names. We had a Luke Tiberius Myers call us last week. Who we're now referring to as uh, Luke Skywalker, James T. Kirk Myers. <laughs> Joe, you want to field this one? All right. So he wants to get back into comics, mainly with Thor and the Avengers. I would say that with the Avengers, it's kind of a tough time to just jump in. It is a tough time right now. Here's the thing, though. At the moment, it's a relatively tough time if you want to leap right into, you know, Infinity. But in the next couple months here, Infinity's going to end going to be a whole new paradigm shift and we're going to get a thing called inhumanity yeah which is going to be a new storyline it's going to be probably a fairly good jumping on point well and that's not even an avengers thing necessarily that's avengers is is starting a new storyline after infinity right so if i were to recommend a, an avengers book or no rogue planet rogue, rogue planet, planet. Uh, also, there's a new book starting called Avengers World, which may also be a good place to jump on. But I would hold off until Infinity is over for sure. Yeah, I, I just don't think you're ready to leap into something this huge. Which Well, and it requires some backtracking. Yeah, so. and Infinity's great. Don't get us wrong. We've had a lot of fun with it. I'm really enjoying it. But I don't know that you could just pick up Infinity number one. It's an investment of time. Definitely. I would suggest Uncanny Avengers. And I, the reason I'm doing it... But that doesn't really feel like the Avengers to me. See, you've got Avengers there. Cap is there and stuff. Yeah. And I'm trying to tease him with the X stuff a little bit as well. Like, you've got Havoc leading the team. Captain America's on the team with him. The Scarlet Witch is there. You've got Thor. You've got Wolverine. Wonder Man and the Rogue, Wasp. Wonder Man, the Wasp. And it really has been a fun book. Sunfire. Sunfire is there. You're getting a nice taste of some of the X-Men and what's going on, and there really is some fantastic stuff going on in the X-Books. I know you didn't ask about it, but... I do like Uncanny Avengers. I just... I, I don't really... Th I, I barely ever think of it as an Avengers book. I do think it's a standalone book with a story that's happening pretty much... It does seem fairly segregated. Yeah. Outside of anything in the Marvel U, it's an excellent place. You could pick up issue one, or you could pick up like this current storyline, which deals with the Apocalypse Twins... So cool. Yeah. Turns out Kang made them who they are. It's awesome. <laughs> but uh, this storyline is just about to end. And there's a new storyline that picks up, not this month, but next month, I believe. And that would be an excellent place to dip your toes into the Uncanny Avengers. As far as Thor goes. I would, just, I would just start with Jason Aaron's Thor. Yeah. Start with issue one. Thor, God of Thunder. It is, we've said it before, it's some of the best Thor comics we've ever read. And you can certainly go back and find older stuff, but if you were reading in the past, you're probably aware of Walt Simonson's Thor. Right. Or, like, my usual go-to Avengers recommendation is the Busiek-Perez Avengers from the mid-90s. But, you know, that was... The mid-90s. Almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's great. But, you know, if you were reading back then, then you're looking for something more modern, something to get you connected to the Marvel sure. Universe. Yeah, Thor, I would just... I think Thor's in a really good place with... God of Thunder, which is Jason Aaron's Thor that we're talking about. It's 16 issues deep? 15, yeah, 16 something issues like that. deep? You can get the collections. Oh, and the current storyline actually mirrors a little bit the movie. Yeah. 
Definitely. They, because they it's brought the back the return of Malekith. Malekith. He's a little different. He's different in the comics in than the he is in the comics. movies. But, you know, you've got that name recognition. In the movies, he's kind of like a, almost like a Star Trek bad guy. And in the comics, he's kind of like the Joker. He, he's wacky. Yeah, it's true. You know? <laughs> it's true. It's true. So I don't know if Jason Aaron wasn't privy to the script. <laughs> well, but I mean, I think he's following the the previous. Yeah. He's paying attention. Like he is not he is not writing a story of the movie version of No, this not at all. This is very much the character that Simonson created. Yeah. And it's cool. But what I was gonna say was if you were reading Thor back in the eighties, nineties, whenever you were a teenager, I think you would be able to pick up Jason's Aaron's Thor and you would feel very much at home. Because Aaron is paying attention to the rules. His story starts with a young Thor, a very young Thor, like a young Thor we've right. never really seen before. Honestly, he doesn't even have Mjolnir yet. He's running around with Yarn Bjorn, <laughs> which yeah, is a big axe. Jägermeister. <laughs> and it's just, it's a wonderful story that brings you up to speed to where Thor is now, why Thor is such a great yeah, character. I don't it's think been you, fantastic. I don't think you need to have any prior Thor knowledge to enjoy Thor God of Thunder. Not at all. Anybody could pick it up and go, this art is beautiful. This story is super macho. You've got like... Thor riding Thor a winged horse macho. with an axe. <laughs> it's just yeah, ridiculous. it's really great. As for Journey into Mystery, it's a great comic. It's wonderful. And I recommend it. There are two places to jump onto Journey into Mystery. One is when it first came back a few years ago with Kid Loki. Yes. And then another place that is... Was Kieran Gillen was writing that. Kieran Gillen. And then another place wa would be a year or so ago when it was re not relaunched, but rebranded with Sif as the lead. Yeah. The Marvel. And Beta Ray Bill is in it. It's a Marvel Now book. Um, it's canceled. It's canceled, but it's a, it would be a finite, a nice finite chunk to read, and it's worth reading. Yeah, definitely. But I would not say it's essential to the Thor No, not at all. Universe. I would say if you're digging Thor and you can't get enough, go it's pick up It's a good the, read. It's a good read. Pick up the Journey into Mystery trade. Yeah, once you've had your fill of Thor, or not your fill, but you've gotten caught up and you want something to add to it. Certainly. You wanted mostly Thor and Avengers, but I would say there's a great place to jump on with Cap and Iron Man. Yeah, absolutely. The the Marvel Now versions of uh Captain America and Iron Man are both really good. Excellent. Iron Man started slow. You know what and I will I will say Kieran Gillen is writing Iron Man as well and he admits that like at the end of this recent storyline he wrote a big thing in the back about the origin of Tony Stark and he's like, look, when I got this book I wasn't sure where I was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and you could tell he was like kind of treading water a little bit. And then he got this idea and was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it turned out great. It, it starts slow, but it's absolutely worth sticking with it. And they're only on like number 18 or something. And there's maybe a 20. Pretty major thing that happens in the origin of Tony Stark. Right. That has fundamentally changed the character. And I, I think it's been really fun. It's, it's been, been a wonderful. lot of fun. And it's got great art. Dale Eaglesham's eh, on it. At the beginning, you got some Greg Land you have to deal with. But yeah. meh. It, he gets off the book and truly, relatively soon. If you want to, you can skip right past those and you can start with the origin of the Tony secret Star origin, the of secret Tony origin Stark, of Tony yeah. Stark. That's a good point. You could yeah. just jump in with the start of that storyline, and that really is where the book hit the ground running. I mean, like that's where it got its legs. Listen to all these metaphors. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it blew the roof off the door. That's where the saints went marching in. You know, <laughs> and the Marvel now Captain America is also fantastic. Rick Remender's writing it. Yeah. Uh, the the lead story, the beginning story, is Captain America trapped in an alternate dimension where time moves faster. And it's wacky sci-fi. It's completely insane. So it kind of harkens back to the old Kirby, like, 
super science fiction nutty stuff, you know, and it's not all about Captain America fighting terrorists or Hydra or whatever. And it was refreshing because we just got out and like I loved Ed Brubaker's run. It yeah. was amazing. Probably but one that of the was best more ones I've ever read. Intrigue, spy, and it was like six years. Yeah, it was. Like, uh, yeah, like more real like world. Years, but yes, yeah, espionage. And espionage, this was yeah. just like straight up. All right, Cap's done with that for a while. Now he's fighting for the savior of this weird alien race in a dimension different dimension. He's like, his main villain is a guy with a TV for his gut. A TV chest. That character is Arnim Zola. Arnim Zola. <laughs> well, I didn't want to like bog the guy down with names. No, I got you. I got you. <laughs> he probably knows Arnim Zola. He yeah, was reading true. back in the day. Oh, he, you know what? He was in the Captain America movie. Yes. So there. Yes. Sort of. He was, but pre-TV chest. Yeah. I don't think we're going to go. I don't think they go there with Zola. I would love it. I would love it if Toby, whatever his name, shows up in the Captain America, the Winter Soldier movie with- as, the, as Arnim Zola as we know him. Yeah. That would be amazing. It's not going to happen. Probably not. So, Merlin, there's lots of great places to jump in. Now is a good time. Oh, yeah. I would give Avengers a month or two, jump in with a new storyline, but seek out the beginnings of the relaunched Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man. Definitely. Wonderful stuff. Definitely. We highly recommend them. And we want to know what you think of them. This isn't the last we want to hear from you. Go out, pick a couple of these up, read them, get back to us. Say, hey, thanks, comic pushers. You ruined my life. I'm totally addicted to this crap again. Or... You guys are morons. I hated it. Whatever. I wish you adult children would grow up and start acting like real men. Wow. Yeah. That cut deep. Yeah. If you're looking for a good jumping on point in any series or just a good read, you can send us a list of stuff you're into, like TV shows, movies, books, athletes, famous tattoo artists, whatever, to our email or post it. That's what you do when you send an email. Yes. Or post it in the comic pusher section of the THN forums, and we'll put a stack of comics in your sweaty little hands. Make sure if you email us, you do it with the subject line, comic pushers. But we're not dummies. We'll get the picture. Yeah, but, you know, we get a lot of email. It's true, we do. Sort of, sort of, break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the me and Rob Ford and Rob Thomas episode of THN. If you're driving this sucker home with one headlight to give your significant other plenty of oral sex. Oh, Matchbox 20, Joe. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, where you can give the show a star rating, a written review, or a Stitcher thumbs up and help us to connect with other potential listeners. One Headlight is a song by the Wallflowers. Thanks to all our past donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in fake passports and train tickets to Canada, you can make your donation in any amount using our adorable little PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. Leave it in. I demand it. I'm going to, but ah, it is the wallflower. <laughs> Whatever. They both suck. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, at TwoHeadedNerd, our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel, THN Comic Cast, where nothing cool ever happens, our Skype handle, TwoHeadedNerd, that's all one word, and our direct phone number, 402-819-4894, where you can call or send us your Ask a Nerd questions. Or ask the comic pushers what you should be reading. Or ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, whatever. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. This is your little virtual piece of the ziggurat. The ziggurat, by the way, for new listeners, is where we record. It's a big stuffy pyramid. It's underground. It's in Omaha, Nebraska. It's crazy. There are no new listeners, Matt. Come on. <laughs> Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers along with your own audio responses, be sure to check out the Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week podcast. If you already subscribed to this show, your duty has been fulfilled. It will appear in your feed as if by magic. There you go. 
Next week, it's time to take a look. It's in a book. And we review the fifth Beatle from Dark Horse. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Brad Moore, a.k.a. the Amazing Spider Brad, who sent in an MP3 answer to last week's question, and we totally missed it. Sorry, Brad. And welcome to the MP3 crew, buddy. Hope you survive the experience. Word to the entire MP3 crew, and don't stop believing, babies. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics, because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Don't Stop Believing is also not a Matchbox 20 song. I'm well aware. Uh, what was Matchbox 20's hit? What was that What was that piece of What was their thing? 3 a.m. What? Why do you know this? Let's go to Spotify. Because I grew up in the 90s. I did too. Oh, Matchbox 20, too good for Spotify. Hold up. Fuck them. <laughs> oh, God. Wait a minute. Isn't this... This is not Hootie and the Blowfish. I only want to be with you. Are you sure? Yes. They fucking ripped each other off? Okay, stop. I can't do it anymore. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it won't stop. I can't stop oh it. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to wash my mouth out with, like, some serious, like, gore metal or something. <laughs>